why would a tattooed atheist Texas firefighter become an Orthodox Christian? And there's so many people that we know that have become Orthodox. Is there some connection between libertarianism and Orthodox Christianity? Buck Johnson from the Counterflow podcast joins me as we share our stories. Welcome to Thrive in the Future podcast, positive solutions to help you thrive, designing your intentional life, homesteading, gardening, and rediscovering culture and tradition. Check out Thriver News. It's thriving community news without the noise. It's longer form articles where Perpin and I share how to thrive and how to live that abundant life. That's at Thriver News, thriver.news. Check it out. At GrowNutTrees.com, I still have some elderberry and a few chestnuts. Plus, it's almost time for elderberry cuttings. We also have comfrey crowns. That's at GrowNutTrees.com. Okay, welcome back to Thrive in the Future. This week, I have Buck Johnson with me from the Counterflow Podcast. Welcome, Buck. Thanks, Scott. Glad to be here. How are you doing this evening? I am pretty I'm pretty good. Uh, I can't complain. It's a uh, chill, cool Friday evening in Lockhart, Texas. It's nice. So Lockhart, that is that by Austin or San Antonio or it's between, well, I say between, I suppose technically it's between, it's about 30 minutes Southeast of Austin mm. and about an hour still from San Antonio, but it's nice. It's the barbecue capital of Texas. Oh yeah. I've seen you talk about that. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. So the topic this week, and I thought this was interesting. So, so many people that we know have become Orthodox. You you call it the libertarian to Orthodox pipeline. I mean, even the guy that I started the podcast with, um, Perpend, ended up becoming Orthodox, and now he's a monk or on That's the monk incredible. path. He's wow. over. He's over at the monastery of the Archangel Michael in New Mexico. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with that one. Yeah, and he's become a postulant, which is like the four to six months before you become a novice. The way I understand it, it's like the last, it's the last ditch effort before you become a novice. But but just to to give you the opportunity to go, all right, I can't do this kind of thing. Well, I think he's at the stage where it's finding the specific monastery that's the good fit. Okay, sure. So he's been around to a bunch of them. And a lot of them said, you know, we're not going to take you really seriously until you've been Orthodox for over a year. Okay. And then, uh, you know, he went to Alaska and the climate didn't agree with him. And he's been to West Virginia and he's been to New Mexico several times. Okay. But, uh, you know, so he likes he likes the New Mexico monastery. And uh, basically you go for two weeks. And then after that, you're at the the behest or whatever of the, the abbot. And, and so they just at some send point, you anywhere. Yeah. And then, well, you know, or you, they can send you home, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know? And uh, so at some point they made him a postulant. And uh, my understanding from Google is that's the, the next step before you become like real. So, wow. Okay. So I guess they have him doing like mucky muck jobs and stuff yeah. to see, <laughs> see how willing he is. Yes. So, you know, so what about you? So what's your, What's your story? We've both become Orthodox in the last year. What's your story? Well, I'm not going to be a monk so far, <laughs> so far, so far. Um, it's It started, um, so I was libertarian of, I would say, the right, right-wing sort, the mm-hmm. Mises Institute libertarian. 
um, sphere was the people that I, I was most comfortable around and, and knew and still know and still like uh, the Mises people. And then I was an atheist too during all of this. And at some point I did, I would say maybe around 2018, 2019, lower the walls I had around my soul, <laughs> so to speak. Mm-hmm. But at the time I thought my mind where I would at least acknowledge that Christianity seemed to produce fruits that were were good, even though I thought it's not for me. Very materialist in my mindset. I think everyone from the West is that by default, unfortunately, just because that's the world we grow up in. Mm-hmm. And libertarianism, as you know, has a lot of rationalistic thought, um, concrete. I have to touch something if I can see it, if it's logical, et cetera, et cetera. So I was kind of like that. I even read Richard Dawkins and people like that. Even if I didn't agree with their politics, I thought they seemed to make sense about atheism. It makes me cringe now, to be honest, but it is what it is. <laughs> and then when 2020 happened, I moved out of the city of Austin and to this small town of Lockhart because I said, I thought I it's crazy, you know, these these blue cities, once the lockdown stuff was going on, even though in Texas we were only locked down for six weeks and I'm a firefighter by trade. And I was technically for work. I was never locked down. I just kept working. And so all all these things were a little confusing in a way. It's like, well, I understand my job's essential, but my ex-wife, my wife at that time owned two salons and it's like, well, she wants to work, but she can't. I want to work. I can. Stuff just wasn't adding up. And I'd see all of these people pushing this evil. And then I, saw people that I unfortunately knew that were basically saying people like me shouldn't be allowed to do this, this, this. If we go outside, we should be taken to jail, et cetera. Hmm. And it kind of hit me like, maybe I was wrong about this spiritual stuff because this is definitely evil that I'm seeing in certain places. It wasn't just government, you know, and as a libertarian, sometimes you're like, well, government's just inept. They're just dumb. And it started clicking like, I don't think this is just inept or dumb. This is purposeful evil at certain parts. And so I was opening my mind and to the idea that there could be spiritual forces at work. And I was talking to my friend Cyprian from the Royal Path podcast and my friend at different times, my friend Matt Erickson from the Real King Pill podcast. And I was already kind of, we were in this group called Post Libertarian, so we weren't technically considering ourselves libertarian anymore because it started to see like, okay, this whole time I've been going, if people can just hear our libertarian message, they'll want it. And then during 2020, I looked around, I'm like, "Mm -mm, uh, they don't want that. A lot of people don't, you know, there's Mm -hmm. people that fought the lockdowns or whatnot, but I saw so many people across the world, you know, it wasn't just localized. It wasn't just the country. It was everywhere, like pushing authoritarianism. And I started seeing regular folks kind of getting a little bit of a taste of authoritarianism themselves. Like if they could report their neighbors for having a gathering, oh, they love that. And I just thought, okay, I think I was wrong thinking that most people want liberty. So where do we go from here? I was always cultural, well, not always, but for the last several years was culturally right-leaning. And then Cyprian and Matt at different points, I would interview them on my show and they would mention orthodoxy. And they both are very deep thinkers and had a had a, a keen take on what was going on. 
And so it started clicking like they're both orthodox. Matt was ortho curious at the time. Cyprian was orthodox. And I just started thinking like something with these guys seems more spot on than just the regular libertarians or post-libertarians as it were. And I talked to Cyprian offline after an interview once. And I said, I got to ask you about this orthodoxy thing. And he's like, yeah, sure. I mean, I'll talk to you about it, whatever you'd like. What do you want to know? And I said, just a book, first of all. Of course, I come from the libertarian world. It's always, give me a book to read. And he said, Father Seraphim Rose, who I'd never heard of at the time, has a book called um, God's Revelation to the Human Heart. He said, just get that. Click, 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 ordered it, got it. And it's for the libertarians listening or post-libertarians or whatever that know are familiar with Rothbard. It was very thin, almost a pamphlet-like um, anatomy of the state. And so yep. I got that a few weeks later. At first, I honestly admit, I saw the cover and it had Father Seraphim on the front. And I was like, it's kind of weird looking. This isn't what I was picturing. <laughs> and so a few weeks later, I start reading it and it blew my mind. And I was I could feel like a... Uh, a heat in my soul and my heart as I read it. And it was kind of overwhelming. And I was like, what in the world? This is nuts. But I also thought this is not the Christianity I was familiar with at large. It wasn't the, I, I grew up, I would say Protestant. And I was going to, as a, in my high school years, a very Zionistic church. It's, in, in fact, he's probably the most vocal, famous Zionist preacher in, in America um, his name is John Hagee. Mm -hmm. And so I was used to that stuff. And it, of course, it didn't work for me. It, I, I wasn't actively against it. It just didn't stick. It didn't have roots inside me. So I, I just drifted away and became an atheist. So I'm reading Father Seraphim Rose and I was like, this is way different. This is more beautiful. It's It, was, it just gripped me and I couldn't stop. Then I read another one of his books that was a touch more political as before he was a monk. But I was still turned on by political thought. And there was some of that in this book called Nihilism that he wrote. And I was like, man, he's even kind of on the same page as me. And he wrote this decades ago. And so, lo and behold, I'm in a small town of 14,000 people, the barbecue capital, like I mentioned. <laughs> Churches abound here, but they were all Baptist, Catholic, you know, just the regular things you would see. Sure. There's an Orthodox church here. I could not believe it because I still looked at it as, foreign, um, exotic, if you will, and mm -hmm. things that didn't match Lockhart, Texas. And I, so I started driving by and I would look at the sign. And even though it said, just, uh, just come see, and I had a saint outside, I didn't want to go in because I thought, uh, for people listening and not watching, I'm covered in tattoos and I'm a little bit bigger. And I thought, well, they're going to think I'm scary looking, or I don't know what to wear. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know anything except I've read Father Seraphim Rose. So I didn't go in. And then I get a DM on Twitter by a guy who had followed me and, and listened to my show. And he said, I heard you say on one of your episodes, you live in Lockhart. I would like to invite you to the church that I go to called St. Andrew's Orthodox Church in Lockhart, Texas. And I was like, what? who is this? And I said, do you live here? Should we meet up for coffee? He's like, no, I'm, I'm about an hour and a half away, but I go there every Sunday. Mm. And I was like, wow, well, I've been looking at that church and I'm reading Father Seraphim Rose. 
And he says, well, there's an icon of Father Seraphim that makes you feel better in that church. And he's my family patron saint. And I, he said, it's no coincidence that you're living five minutes from that church and you're reading <laughs> Seraphim Rose. And I just got this urge to reach out to you. And so I went and uh, we can pick up from there. You can interject if you want. But that was the first entry into the church for me. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. It was a series of what I would have thought at the moment. And I did think this of coincidences like, hmm, that's weird. It seems like these things are kind of lining up that I should at least go inside. And mm -hmm. so that's that's how that happened. So what was your uh, first thought when you went in and attended your first ser service? Did you attend the Divine Liturgy on uh, Sunday morning or did you mm -hmm. attend Vespers first? No, it was a Divine Liturgy. And... <laughs> It was different for me because, again, I had only known of a mega church with mm -hmm. a preacher that yelled, was a Bible thumper, literally. And I, as a young youngster, I kind of thought that was neat, like the passion and yelling and all this stuff and getting people worked up and the altar call. But this was obviously, you know, not that. And right. I, I thought, interesting, they're singing everything. And the sermon, the as I called it at the time, the homily was like less than 10 minutes. And mm -hmm. I had been used to like 45 minutes to an hour of just talking. I don't like kind of that cheesy um, church style music, but this had a choir with no instruments. And I thought, well, they sound, this is just beautiful. It's weird and different from what I'm used to. And I was married at the time and we went to brunch afterwards and she was like, what'd you think? I, it's kind of weird, right? And I was like, Kind of different, weird, not weird in a bad way, but I mean, I definitely want to go back next Sunday. And also I'll say this, I spoke with them. Let me see how I can couch this and not get them in trouble. But I spoke with some clergy afterwards and they mentioned like, hey, I hear you do a podcast. And I'm like thinking like, oh my God, I don't want to talk politics with people. I'm kind of in a niche area of political thought. They're going to think I'm really <laughs> weird. And I said, yeah, um, and he, I, it's like my priest knew where I was, how I was being shy about things. And he says, well, no one's against the communists more than the Orthodox. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, cool. Now, and I think I can talk with, with him now. And he explained about the, you know, the, how many saints were made through the communists and Bolsheviks and all these things, murdering um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. millions of, of Orthodox Christians and, so it made me feel more comfortable in that realm. And so, yeah, that's that's how it started. And, and I started going back. I, I, I grew to love it. And then that was in 2021. And then I became a catechumen in 20, early 2022. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's almost the exact same time frame as me. Oh, okay. Okay. How'd you end up with uh, Father Turbo as your as your uh, spiritual father. So I was friends with Cyprian, like we mentioned. And mm -hmm. as every, as you know, and probably some people listening know, they do a, a show together called the Royal path with another guy named Andrew. Yep. And I started watching that and I knew that he was, I keep wanting to say Vin, Vin, Vin is Cyprian's old name. I knew yeah. he was Vin's spiritual father. And so I started kind of paying attention a little bit to that. And Vin would write me and say like, you know, at some point when you're ready, I think you should 
have Father Turbo on your show? And I said, yeah. And, and I was honest. And I said, I agree with you. And I, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I, I could just tell I wasn't. And it didn't take long, though. It said he he watches your show. And, and I mentioned that to him. And he just kind of laughed and said, yeah, he seems like a great guy. And I said, yeah, I, I might be ready at some point in the next few months, but I, I'm just not yet. And then lo and behold, we hooked up. He said, here's Father Turbo's number. Um, he said, you can reach out to him. I did. I invited him on the show. Prior to wow. recording, we had a good talk, probably 10 or 15 minutes before I recorded, which caught me off guard. I didn't expect that. You know, you don't, I was used to having people, you know, you talk for a couple minutes before Zoom and he was real genuine. Just, so how are you doing? What's going on with you? And I, I think at that point, my now ex-wife had decided to leave, but I can't remember, but she ended up leaving me over sorted reasons, but focusing mainly on, nope, I'm not doing this church thing. And it freaked her out. And I remember Father Turbo said, once you start talking about this stuff on your show, which you already have, like you're, you're going to get attacked by demons, just so you know that. He said, you can't have a platform like yours and putting these things out into the world without attacks on you. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's good, I guess. And he said, I remember he said, you're going to start to feel the cold spray paint of a target being spray painted on your back and they'll be coming for you. But um, you have Christ and it was just real interesting and, and loving, you know, and then we developed a relationship and we would text and call one another. Then he'd come on the show again. And we just, he's also has a very similar, um, let's say subculture that I grew up in background mm -hmm. as I do. He was sure. a tattoo artist and we have a lot of similarities that we could also talk about other than the church. And then we became close. And one day I'd, I was wanting to ask him and then I already had a priest though. So the typical thing is your priest is your spiritual father. Right. And one day my priest said, I was thinking about how to ask. I didn't know how to do this. And my priest just wrote me and he goes, by the way, if you want to ask father turbo to be your spiritual father, I'm I, you have my blessing. I know you all have a lot in common and you're close. And I was like, weird. Okay. I was going to ask him, but I didn't even have to ask him. Yeah. And that's so, interesting. Since, uh, your priest is closer to you. So that was that five was minutes to my house. Yeah. Wow. And so I asked Father, I actually had asked Father Turbo already. And he said, make sure you get your priest's blessing. But if you do get it, I'd love to. And so that's, that's kind of how it went down. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. We, we overlap both in timeline and a lot of those details. So Perpin and I started the podcast back in, um, November of 2021, October, 2021, one of those two. And, uh, so basically we were having conversations on the way to workshops and then they were different than everybody else's conversations in the prepper homesteading sphere, you know, and about community and, and things. So we started just recording our conversations and then, um, long about that time, we were also in the Bitcoin mystery school and I we might've been oh. in counter markets. And so Cyprian, who used to be Vin Armani, was becoming Orthodox. And 
the shenanigans were happening in 2020, but they really started getting in 2021. We had the uh, the usual shenanigans in 2020, and I live out. I live in Northeast Kansas. It's right outside of Lawrence, which is the college mm-hmm. town, mm-hmm. KU, mm-hmm. and it's very much like. It's very much like uh, Austin. It's not quite as crazy as they say Austin is. <laughs> but I mean, at one point there during 2020, they had people um, sending hundreds of uh, of Karen calls to the Department of Health to report people. Oh, wow. And even yeah. though we had an exception in the ordinance, you know, for the various goofy things, then... Um, it didn't matter because all the businesses were, they could get fined $2,500 or something like that. When And there was no way for them to defend themselves. Just, right. you know, health department show up and say, Karen said, you, you didn't uh, kick this person out $2,500 on you or, you know, or whatever else. And, uh, you know, so that was going on. And, and I was like, like you, it, this doesn't seem like a, science thing right right (laughs) this doesn't seem like a science thing and and when the um the kansas governor by may of 2020 was already saying yeah we're not going back to normal until there's a medical intervention and everybody has has gotten it right wow and she said that's two years so you gotta be ready nothing's going back to normal okay and then her and her medical director uh, got on people's case because they were, uh, um, they said, you shouldn't have to drive more than two miles to get food. <laughs> Otherwise, you're locked down and you need to be locked down. And I'm like, we're in Kansas. It's 350 miles to the yeah. border. And in Western Kansas, you have to drive to the next county to get food. So, you know, what are you talking about? And things just started um, not adding up. So we're going along and, uh, and Cyprian's starting to become orthodox. He's starting to, he's starting to drop the, the bombs of, of some of the things that he's, he's learning. And Perpin was closer to him than I was. So, and Perpin, even though, uh, he grew up evangelical was reading the desert fathers when he was a oh, kid. Wow. Okay. And, you know, much to the consternation of his family, and so uh, at some point along about October 2021, he said, hey, Father Turbo is uh, is Cyprian's spiritual father, and he's in Kansas City. And I'm like, how is Cyprian's spiritual <laughs> father in Kansas City? And he said, yeah, that's where the church is. And I'm like, well, you know, and, and I still had the evangelical model of church, either, either you have to go physically or or whatever at this point everybody was doing it you know virtually mm-hmm. so uh so Perpin said they're having a they're having a garden tour and i want to go over there and i want to i want to see their garden because they had bought up a bunch of city blocks mm-hmm. there in and uh in the hood in downtown kansas city right and so we um we wanted to go over there for the for the garden tour i'm wearing a 1984 Make Orwell fiction again, sure, yeah. right? And I'm wearing a like camo hat or something like that, right? And uh, and so we go over there and we're touring the garden. And Father Turbo's standing over to the side and he's looking at us like this out of the corner of his eye, you know, <laughs> sort of like that meme that we always talk about, you know, where it's uh, 
welcome welcome you joined orthodoxy because of all the problems in the world glory to god yeah. you'll soon find out the problem, problem is, you. is you that picture yeah. that picture that picture is the look yeah. right and um so we took the tour we met um <laughs> <laughs> we met Philaret who runs the garden there and then we went into the church into the basement and we're talking to Father Turbo, and he gave and he gave us a couple of uh, bookmark sized icons, you know. So I was a evangelical for thirty years, and uh, had no intention of becoming Orthodox. And <laughs> but all this stuff's going on, and and I said basically, my faith is not going to be able to handle this from a suffering standpoint. And I'd already had all of my friends, I mean, literally all of my friends, except one, that had already given in mm. because they were going to lose their job. Cyprian gave me uh, St. Tikhon's uh, biography, and I'm and I'm reading it, and, uh, and it talks about the Russian Revolution, and St. Tikhon was the first, ortho- one of the first Orthodox guys in America. He was the missionary to America, right? And then he went back to Russia and became the patriarch. So he's the he's the patriarch. He's the head dude when the Bolsheviks caused the Russian Revolution. Mm. And um, one of the things they did was they came out with the religious freedom law. And it basically said, yeah, you can have your church, but we are confiscating all your church property. And now it's the government property. Mm. And and all that and watching all that happen and unfold in the in the book and the story, I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is happening here. I mean, you know, so it's like, oh, you sorry, you can't go to church. Mm-hmm. And I was having I was having conversations with my friends, and they're like, hey, I don't we we don't have a problem. We'll just sit at home. And I'm like you're going to sit at home for, and just watch it on TV for, I mean, on your computer for the next two years. Mm -hmm. Sure. (laughs) Wow. I'm like, I I got to the point where I said, are you not going to stand up at all? Right. And, and it was, no, we, 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 we trust the authorities. (laughs) It was very, very strange. So then Perpin became catechumen. And I started going with him because he doesn't drive. So, uh, and I started going with him to uh, catechism class or some class, what, right? And uh, and I start going. Wait a minute, this is this is different and interesting. Yeah. Yes. Was it at Saint Mary of Egypt with Father yeah. Turbo? Oh, cool. Okay. Uh huh. And then I started going there, and uh, and it's uh, and this is a long ways from us. This is like an hour and fifteen minutes, an hour and a half from our place. Mm-hmm. So then uh, Father Turbo said, yeah, there's one over in Topeka, and that's closer to you, so I recommend that you go over there. And then, so Perpin was was looking and saying that he was seeking intentional community, and he was, like, wanting a bunch of us uh, homesteader guys to, like, move close together and have an intentional community. Well, none of us are interested in doing that. And then uh, not to that level that he's talking about. So he left and went over to Kansas City, and so he could be closer to the church, go to services all the time, and then have that intentional community. 
and then he ended up going towards the monastic path and uh and now he's found his intentional community in the yeah at the monastery neat okay okay do you have to get father turbo's blessing to go there how did that work yeah of course so he uh he started going um immediately after he became a catechumen and then he uh and then they went to the monastery he's been to the monastery like five times and then uh and and father turbo's his spiritual father so he's uh he's been going and then uh and knew he was on the monastic path for most of the last two years. So oh, cool. yeah, so it was uh, it was pretty interesting. And then and then it just kept kept going for me. And then uh, and then I got uh, and then I became Orthodox at Pascha. The thing that blew my mind was Pascha, which is Orthodox Easter for those who don't know, yeah. and it takes place at midnight. <laughs> And you do a procession around the church and then you come up to the door and the priest bangs on the door. It's supposed to be the gates of hell. Mm-hmm. And he's banging on the door and he says, uh, open for the king of glory. And the guy inside says, who is this king of glory? Yeah. Right. And then, and then they open the door and, and it was just like, like. the most exciting thing. I've, I've never seen anybody being that <laughs> exciting from, Jesus rising from the dead, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in most of the churches that I've been to, they they actually watered down Easter because it's the day when when the the most people come to church, mm-hmm. and so they would mamby pamby the message. I'm like, why, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And then Pascha season lasts for a month or two, so mm-hmm. a month later, they're still still excited. And I'm going, I'm going, I've never seen anything like this before. Mm-hmm. And just that night changed me. Nice. Okay. I mean, it was, it was just amazing. And, um, and I struggled with the whole idea. So at this whole time, this stuff's going on with the, the medical intervention. I moved to a, I went to a job that was uh remote mm. and I'm like, Hey, I'm cool now. Nobody's going to touch me. And then they like, Nope we're going to require you to get that as well. I'm like, what? <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. I'm not even in the same state as you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then that, that convinced me that it wasn't a sign. It wasn't a right. scientific thing. It wasn't made to make sense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of funny with the, uh, the folks online or everybody thinks it's the ortho bros and, the people that represent orthodoxy online are usually pretty like jerks or whatever. Like, yeah, they can be. <laughs> I liked what you said today that really stood out to me. It's like uh, one of the tougher things to grapple with is comprehending how much you don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's the easiest thing to be prideful about. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Yeah. The paradox, many of them. Yeah. So, you know. But so sorry, I did a whole lot of talking right there. <laughs> That's okay. I love it. Yeah. I like it back and forth. So someone might say, yeah, that won't happen here. That won't happen in America. So one of the things that stands out to me is like that law, that um, that freedom of religion law that mm-hmm. was in Ru- Russia, they did the same thing during COVID in Montenegro. In really? Europe. Yeah, so in December of 
2019, they passed a law on freedom of religion, and they said any churches before 1918 or monasteries are now government property. Whoa. And you couldn't protest because it's coof time. Mm -hmm. And so the priests and the folks went out and did processions and protested anyway, and they've got enough of a outcry to get enough of the people kicked out in the next election to rescind it. Good. Wow. Okay. And people are saying, yeah, yeah. I, I have so many people say to me, you know, why are you so worked up about COVID? We won. It's done. They're not doing mm. any of that stuff now. Right. And, you know, we saw that in 2019, the exact same wording was used in Ukraine for mm -hmm. them seizing the, the Orthodox church there. Right. And one of the things that people don't understand is that all of those laws, those, um, you know, those, uh, those coof laws for, um, they're still in the books. Yeah. So they, they rewrote the emergency management laws in most of the states and it codified all of those pr procedures. And those are still there, even in Florida. Mm -hmm. DeSantis, DeSantis signed that back in, you know. Right. 2021 and it's not been rescinded so you know if the bolsheviks are going to do what the bolsheviks are going to do yes it's that ratchet effect i think they call it and once they tighten it down you can loosen it a little bit but it's not as loose as it was prior to the initial tight that tightening of, mm -hmm. of 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 the uh rules laws whatever you want to call it pressure on on our culture on society you can lessen it just a little bit, but it's still worse than where we, before we started. Right. And that's just kind of what the way this, this stuff heads. That's the, that's the direction the train goes. It seems like. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that's really worrisome is that now it's down at the County level. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the counties have passed laws like the Jackson County, Missouri, which is Kansas city was in the process of, of passing a uh, ordinance where it would give the health director of the county the right to shut down individual churches. <laughs> so no more are you saying, you know, all churches, you can't go to church. It's that church. There's no recourse. And you know which church they were purposely <laughs> looking at. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Wow. So, and, and it just, the counties don't keep very good records of what they agree to and what their conversations are in the county commission meetings. So I don't know if that ever got passed, but they were, they were debating it at one point. Mm. Hopefully they're not wise enough to figure it out, but you never know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's people get on my case about, Oh, that's all, that's all in the past. What are you complaining about? And it's, yeah, it's, it's still a, it's still a thing. It is. And to, I, I just try to think of it as like when milestone events like that happen. I mean, I, I, I still remember I was partying with a bunch of musician friends in Memphis, Tennessee, people I knew from all over the country in February of 2020. I have still pictures of it, fond memories, great time, just having a blast. We would have never thought in one month, the world's going to change. And it's <laughs> funny how it's like, it did change. And everyone has the short-term memory like, well, all right, we're good. It's like, 
in in two weeks from now, something could arise and it's like something you'd never, ever imagine. And they've already pushed it this far. And we saw so many people just not only go with it, I think like push for it. People Mm -hmm. that have no power wanted a lot of these things. Now, certainly some people have learned a lesson from it, I think. And depending on where you're at, I think there could be some bigger pushback than there was previously. But uh, to think like, oh, it's over, it's past us. It's like, you don't think there's something coming down at some point that could be either that extreme or worse mm-hmm. um, is to me a little bit naive in my opinion. So what do you think? You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of folks that, you know, maybe even at this point are saying, oh, you guys are just Orthodox because you're right wing and all that other stuff. <laughs> yeah. I tried not to lead anymore. It's actually not even trying, but I do make it a point if I'm discussing it on a, a bigger platform, an open platform where people are listening and watching. I don't lead with politics in my mind. And it's nothing I even consciously, consciously, excuse me, thought I can't do this. It's just once you start to get into orthodoxy, you understand, hopefully, that it's a worldview and not mm-hmm. just like a place, I, a thing I do on Sunday. Right. And so that's first and foremost, not Republican, Democrat, left, right, libertarian, whatever. Like those things are all so surface when orthodoxy, excuse me, orthodoxy takes you much deeper. So I don't even look at things in terms of like, who's right or left. I mean, you, you, it's still habit to do so when I'm watching TV or if I'm catching a political show, obviously. But mm-hmm. for my own for my own self, I don't think of day-to-day life or issues so much, which party's doing what or whatnot. I, it, it's just, I'm an Orthodox Christian. If someone wants to label me right or whatever, libertarian, post-libertarian, that's fine. I don't usually leave with that though at this point. It's almost like learning a new language and you start off reading parts of it, but it, it's not all clicking. And then you learn more of the language and then you go back. Oh, now, now this part makes sense. I missed that the first time. And then you, you know, it's, it's like as your, I guess if you, they say the Orthodox phronema, if you can somewhat acquire a little bit more here and there, some of the things you read, it's like a whole new beautiful language that you're starting to see. Well, thanks, Buck. Thanks for thanks for coming on Thrive in the Future this week. Yeah, man. This has been cool, Scott. Thank you. It's funny. We have such a similar timeline. <laughs> yeah, it is really funny. Take care. Yep. Thank you, sir. If you want more of my conversation with Buck, including stories about ortho bros, catechism, and Father Turbo stories, go join our Patreon at patreon.com slash thrive in the future. Check out Buck on the Counterflow Podcast. That's at counterflowpodcast.com. It's also on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. The links will be in the show notes. You can follow Buck on Twitter at BuckRebel. So that's a story. Why did I become Orthodox? COVID revealed that my faith wasn't prepared for suffering. But going with Purpin, I found beauty and the depth of the prayers and a faith more in tune with suffering through the lives of the saints and those hundreds of thousands that died in the last hundred years under the Bolsheviks. Today mirrors a lot of that struggle. Even the most atheist person is religious. So this episode has been very personal and see you next time on Thrive in the Future. 
Hey, if you like this episode, leave us a tip on Venmo or Cash App at Thrive in the Future. Or join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Thrive in the Future. You get early episodes and you get extras. Thank you. Join our thriving community. It's where our community shares our positive solutions, our wins and our losses. Join at signup.thriveinthefuture.com. Thank you for listening to Thrive in the Future podcast. If you like what you hear, please click that like or subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Thrive in the Future and also go to thriveinthefuture.com.